this week on Hope for the Broken. How do we live our lives today with wanting things out of life that we know are not good for us? I would like for you to think about a question. Do you believe that God has a plan and a purpose for everything? That's what I would like for you to ponder. Can we actually believe that God could work something out in the very mess of my life? I'm here to tell you, yes. And here's how we're going to see it. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Life Lessons. Here's our executive pastor, Jeff Julian, with part 10 titled, Lost and Found. Today, um, it's my privilege to be able to pick up in the story. So I want to spend just a moment to make sure that we are carrying forward a little bit about what Pastor Chris spoke about last week, because it does play into where we are today. I've titled my, my sermon today, Lost and Found. And I titled that because I'm using a, a play on words here because of two specific things that we find in this, this uh, outline, this passage of, of 1 Samuel 9 and 10. And so I'm going to try to point those out as we move forward. But we know from last week that Pastor Chris helped us understand that the people of Israel wanted a king like all of the other nations around them. That's what they wanted. They wanted to be able to see a king because they saw what these other kings they felt like were doing for their people. Now, the people at that time were actually under the kingship of Jehovah God, the one true God. They, they knew that because historically, the people of God, the people of Israel were moved forward in their heritage with Jehovah God as their king. All right. So they understood that. That's what they were under. They had the security that was involved in that. They learned from experience after experience after experience how God provided for them faithfully all of this time. You would think that would make a difference, right? I mean, if, if God supplies your needs, you do your best to try to remember that and, you know, be grateful for that. The only caveat here was that the people would obey God. That's, that was the, the caveat, okay? You obey me, you get sufficiency, you get... Uh, all of your needs met, all that you need is, is, is there available to you. So it's pretty clear that the demands were not unreasonable in any way. You know, uh, I'm sure 
as if you have kids or anything like that, I'm sure in the camp there was, that's not fair. You know, that, that's a big thing, right? We all say, that's not fair. It's, I could go on for a long time about that one, right? We all could. That's not fair. All right. So, but this is, this is where we are. Now, remember last week, Samuel warns the people in chapter 8. He warns them. He wants to be very clear they understand what they're asking. He wants to be very clear that they understand what, they're, what the people are asking. Now, you have to understand at this point, Samuel is trying to reason with a two- and three-year-old. Right? Have you ever tried to reason with a two- and, or three- and four-year-old, you know, somewhere around there? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, three- and four-year-olds, savvy on the reason. They've got it all together. Yeah. But that's basically what it was like. So if you pick back up in Samuel in chapter 8, and uh, here he says, so he says, uh, okay. So, and Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. So, okay. So this is where he picks up. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king, and he says, these will be the ways of your king who will reign over you. So he's setting the stage, and then he says, he will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots to be his horsemen and to run before the chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders he will, uh, and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest, to make implements of war and equipment for the chariots. He will take your daughters to be performers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your grain and your vineyards and he will give it to the officers and to the servants. He will take your male servants you get this picture here? Samuel's reminding them a king is basically going to take from you. Take from you. You have been living under a reign of Jehovah God as your king, and he has provided and given to you. But yet now, they desire and clearly understand now that they will have things taken from them. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. How, how did they get blinded? How did they get blinded like that? How did the people at this time get so blinded to the fact 
that with God as their king and with their obedience, they received everything they needed to live. How did they get there? The question for us today is, how do we get there? How do we live our lives today with wanting things, wanting things out of life that we know, know are not good for us? How do we get there? But here's the thing. But even in this, even in this opportunity of hearing the people, God still had a plan and he had a purpose. He had a purpose for everything. My question for you this morning as I pause right here is I would like for you to think about a question. Do you believe where you are right now, do you believe that God has a plan and a purpose for everything? Do you, do you really believe that? That's what I would like for you to ponder as we move forward in this, this text. Because with that question, you have the privilege and the opportunity to be able to see the results of what people were doing then, how God was orchestrating events and situations during this text so that you and I can look at that and go, how did that even happen? How did, how did that happen out of what they were doing? Same thing for us today. Can we actually believe that God could work something out in the very mess of my life? Yes. I'm here to tell you, yes. And here's how we're going to see it. It's an interesting place. We have this ending of eight that the Lord grants Israel request for a king. And uh, it's interesting that nine picks up with a little bit uh, of a strange place because it automatically dives into the uh, heritage of where this king is going to come from without just saying it outright. You have to read continuously to find out who he's talking about. So he says, Picking up in chapter 9, we find out that it says, And now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. Kish was the name of a man who was um, the father of the future king, Saul. And we hear that he was from the tribe of Benjamin. What do we know about Benjamin? Benjamin was uh, the tribe. Of, you need to remember historically that Benjamin was the very last son of Jacob. Very last one. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the Jacob on the, the blessing of calling out uh, Benjamin said, you're, you're just like a wolf. You're a ravenous wolf. You're going to take and you're going to devour. So this is the background behind where we're going to, the people are going to get their king from. 
So we have Benjamin as the tribe, but then we know that Kish is the father, and then he has a son named Saul. Saul is where we are learning is going to be now the product of what the people see. Why is this important? Because you and I do it all the time. The people looked at Saul, and what, did, what were some of the characteristics that we find in Scripture about Saul? Well, first of all, it says that, uh, look here what it says in, uh, in verse 2. And he had a son whose name was Saul. Now look at these characteristics. A handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. What's interesting about this? We're looking at the king, the new appointed king, soon to be appointed king of Israel, right? And what characteristics are we looking at this cat with? External vision. Completely different. But it's exactly what you and I do today. That's what we do. We look at somebody and we judge them by their appearance. I mean, that's what people make money off of on social media, Instagram, influencers. Still love that. I have yet to be influenced other than buying a grill cover. I have been influenced by that. I, I got a grill cover because I saw it on the Instagram. And I needed that grill cover. Because it's going to eliminate the rust on it, you know. I was officially influenced this past month on the Instagram. It's a trap, by the way. Don't go there. But people make money on this. They wear things and they're going, if you want to be somebody in this world, wear this and you will be noticed. In this particular situation, the people saw Saul and said, look at that guy. Look at that specimen. He's tall, taller than anybody. And man, look how handsome he is. Wow. That's who we want. Now, what's missing in this equation? What do you think would be important in leading a country that is brought up and the hands-on descendants of God? You would think somebody in this organization would go, yeah, but does, does he know who God is? I mean, does he even act like he knows who God is? Well, the answer is no. It didn't happen. And we're going to get a few hints along the way here. So this so far for the people, they see Saul and they're going, yeah, that's right. This sounds really good. It looks good on the outside, so it must be good. So this is the way they uh, run down this road. So our first picture of this new supposed king is his dad says, Saul, I want you to get a servant. I want you to go out there in the wilderness and find my donkeys. 
It's a great start, right? Right, that's kingly duties. Go find my donkeys. Dad, I don't want to go find my donkeys. They're donkeys. Well, how do they get out anyway? Does anybody know where they're at? No, we don't know where they're at. Well, we're just going to wander around. And it gets to some point where he finally says, I don't know where these donkeys are. We're going to have to go back because my dad's probably going to be wondering if we're lost or dead. So we're going to have to go back. So that's the, that's the process here. But the interesting point about all this, when you take this in looking at the complete text, here's the interesting side note that we read and can understand, is that God, in this instance, is sending Saul to Samuel. You see, it was much more than going to look for donkeys. Much more. Now, go back to my original questions. Do you believe God has a plan and a purpose? Saul thought he was just going to look for donkeys. But my point, first point, is this. God is leading. That's the very first point that I want you to see about this, is that God is leading. That, for you, is where we look at how the process begins. God is leading in this situation. The servant actually suggests to Saul, when they couldn't find the donkeys, that they find the seer, or also known as prophet, to help them know where to go find the missing donkeys. Here's the thing. Saul, being a non-spiritually thinking person, Saul was not even thinking about that. Have you found yourself in that position? Have you found yourself in a rock in a hard place and you do not know what to do or where to go. That's to where, this is exactly where Saul was. I think the only thing we need to do is go back to tell my dad we can't find the donkeys. But here's the thing. Saul was not thinking from a spiritual mindset. He was thinking about the action and the task at was hand. But it's interesting how in this situation, a servant suggests to Saul, let's go find the seer and the prophet. Saul had no idea, no idea that was available. No idea. Have you ever suggested to a friend who is telling you all their woes? and their troubles in life. Have you ever suggested, hey, can we pray together about this? Oh, what? What, what is that going to do? What is that going to do? But in this instance, the servant has to tell Saul. He was not even thinking about asking. He wasn't even aware of a prophet in the area. So he wasn't even thinking on the realm of spiritual things. 
But God had a plan because God was leading all along. And in this instance, God was leading Saul directly to Samuel. The second thing I want you to see is in this, in this scope of our text here is that God is actually speaking. God is speaking during this time. We know this because we find out that God specifically says to Samuel. He says, uh, all right, here we go. Uh, let's see, that's the seer. Here we go. Uh, well, I thought I had that right off my tip of my tongue. We'll fiddle. Well, anyway, specifically says that God grabs Samuel's ear. He grabs his ear and he speaks directly to them. There's a man coming looking for his donkeys and you are going to tell him what's next. So God is using Samuel in this instance to tell him, I want you to be prepared that there is a guy coming. He's going to tell, he's going to tell you that he's looking for donkeys and you're going to tell him that he's becoming a king. He has a lot of details to it. He even says to, to uh, Saul, uh, hey, by the way, your donkeys are fine. Your donkeys are fine. Don't worry about the donkeys anymore because now you've got something else to worry about. So Samuel ignores Saul also in that Saul tries to worry, I mean, tries to work his way out of this. He goes, we're from, I'm, a, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Don't you know about us? I mean, we're small. We don't have anything going for us. But Saul just ignores it. And he bypasses it because God had spoken to him. God was speaking to Samuel. The, the third thing I want to you to see is that God is in the transforming business. God, in this instance, is going to use exactly what is necessary in Saul's life that's going to change and make a difference. Exactly what he does today and you, your, and my life. So it says that we have this scene where a glimpse of the transforming life that Saul has. And so I'm going to ask if you want to turn over to chapter 10. I'm going to, I'm going to show you here, uh, starting in verse 6. Verse 6 of chapter 10. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming to you to offer burnt offerings and to, and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you will wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. This coming of the Spirit of Saul onto Saul is not like what you and I think of in the New Testament understanding of the Spirit of God that comes upon us 
when we trust Jesus Christ, the internal dwelling. At this point, that was not available to Saul. But, but Saul received an anointing and a covering of God on his life, much as what happened in, uh, uh, like when Moses uh, ordained the, the, the 70 who were going to help him judge the people. It says that the God rested on them and he gave them strength and wisdom and honor. That's found in Numbers 11. So you can find that story where the Spirit of the God rested on the 70 elders of Israel who were able to share the responsibility uh, for Moses and the judging of the people. So this portion of Scripture is that we see that God is actually working in the world. As I began with, do you believe this? My question now brings it fast forward to where we are today. If I could ask you to examine your life right now in your world, do you see God's hand working in your world right now? Whatever your specific world looks like. Not all the chaos of our culture, but what about your world that you are surrounded with? Do you see God's hand working in that? So here's the thing that I'm, I'm fascinated with. In this passage, I'm seeing that God does something that I wouldn't have thought about. He's bringing a person like Saul that has no spiritual background whatsoever, and he's bringing Saul by means of looking for donkeys to Samuel, whom God automatically, who God directly speaks to Samuel and says, this is the guy that's going to come to you. Because this is going to change his life. God works in circumstances beyond our understanding. It's a different realm. The problem is, is you and I trying to figure out if we can buy into that and believe that and trust that. So I've, I've thought about three lessons that I had to work into my life on how to figure this out. So basically for me, I'm going to give you my life lessons that I wrote down to see if I can do these. So number one, I have to believe that God is actively working in my world today. And so how do I think this way? How do I begin to think this way? What is the process that I have to do personally to have my eyes fixed on God in such a way that I can see his hand in every situation that I'm in? What about you? Is God working in your world right now? Are you just, you're just living day by day and whatever comes up, that's what you're going to deal with. Have you ever thought about pur purposefully approaching those days of actively working with God? You know, there's, a, there's an old study that's been out for many, many years, and Henry Blackaby was the author of it, and he says, join in where God is already at work. 
They thought that was an interesting phrase. Join in where God is already at work. Where do you see God working? Well, I can tell you one thing. At least for you right now, you are in a great place because I will tell you very specifically, and I believe this with all my heart, that God is working in the people in this church. I believe that. God is working when people walk through these doors and they are greeted with love. I am grateful because I see God working in the lives that are investing in kids, preschoolers, and school-age kids. When parents who are nervous drop off a kid and they are able to tell them they are in good hands, we're going to love them well. That's God working. That is how God is working. But that's also how God is using you in that area. Because you are doing these things because of your relationship with Christ. The second life lesson for me was be more sensitive to God's unexpected and unforeseen influence every day. I don't do this very well. I talk about it a lot. I think about it sometimes, but I don't do it very well. And what I mean is this. Is, are you seeing your daily activity as something that's happenstance or purposeful? When people come in contact with you, no matter where it's at, do you see that as purposeful or just, eh, just came across somebody today? What do you, how do you look at that? You ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, am I looking at people and particular situations and circumstances, am I looking at them from a perspective and a lens that God is present in that particular situation? Or do we just write it off as something that just happens through my day? What about when you come face to face with someone? Do you pause for a moment and think in your brain in that split second, this person came into my path for a reason. What will you do with that? Now, I'm not talking about, I don't want you to think that I'm saying you need to exactly right then and there make a split decision if that person has a relationship with Christ or not and share the gospel with them. I'm not saying that. But you do, I am asking that we consider that we look at this interaction through the lens of what God is doing in our lives. Why did those people come into contact with me? Was I able to share a pleasant interaction with that person? Or did I perpetuate the gloom and doom of their world? What am I doing? Hey, it matters. It does matter. The third thing, and I'm working on this one. Be ready for God to work in your life. 
Be ready for God to work in your life. I hope that if you get anything out of this very simple message today, the practicality of this message is not about the historical facts of of Saul and Samuel and where everybody came from, the whole design of everything, the monarchy that was being established. This is not about the facts to me. Yes, they are important. But for me, the importance of it is, is this question. Am I available for God to work in me today, right now? We do have some examples that we find very interesting that God has placed in scriptures in situations and circumstances all along that make us pause and think, hmm, if that could happen there, do you think God could do that in my life? Think back in scripture and think Abraham was simply resting at the flap of his tent and he encountered angels and learned that his wife was going to have a child. You think he was expecting that? No. No, not a bit. Remember, remember that story? They laughed about it. Think about Moses tending sheep. He encounters a burning bush. Think about Saul in our story looking for donkeys because that's what he was assigned. My question is this. Be aware in our routine. We all have that routine and that schedule. Be aware because God wants to intervene in that routine. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 930 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.